Hello, podcaster. Charlie here, bringing you another episode of The Business of Podcasting. And in today's episode, I am joined by Rob Walsh of The Feed Podcast and, of course, Libsyn, the hosting company. Now, Rob is someone who's not only been a podcaster for a very, very long time, he's also in the industry working behind the scenes at Libsyn and someone who just really, really understands podcast and particularly the statistics behind podcasting itself. So in today's episode, we go deep in two areas. One is podcast statistics. And really what Rob is able to do is look at what are the common traits in successful podcasts and then help others understand that so they can improve their show. And then the second part of that is we go deep into podcast privacy, which is a new and uncharted area for podcasters. This is something you're really going to have to understand because I'm going to tell you right now, depending on who your podcast is with, they are potentially already selling your user data and your listener data. And this is something you need to be very, very aware of. Now, the thing I enjoyed most about this conversation is just how Rob is able to back up his opinions with data. So one of the ones I'll just lean into here and something I'm going to have to retract a statement on is just all about how long a podcast should be and what really matters when it comes to podcast content. So really, really interesting stuff. So if you haven't already, please make sure you do subscribe to the show. It really does make a difference to our show, hint, hint, but also share this with other people. This is something we're truly trying to help other podcasters navigate and understand. So without any further ado, let's head into this podcast episode with Rob. I think it's one you're going to be truly fascinated with and will help you with your podcast. Welcome to the show, Rob Walsh. How are you doing, Rob? Charlie, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, I've brought you on the show for two reasons. I feel like you are probably one of the most qualified people to answer some questions, but I'll start this off by saying when I was doing my research for this show, um, I don't think I've ever actually been horrified about the podcasting issue, but you brought up something that wasn't on my radar or awareness and then had me deeply concerned uh, about my own show, and that is all around privacy. So we're going to make sure we dig into that. But what the topic I am most eager to cover with you today, because I feel like you really understand this on a level that most people don't, is podcast statistics. So first off, I would really, uh, can you briefly, um, and I will, of course, people will have already heard the intro to this show, had an understanding there, but why should we be uh, listening to you on podcast statistics? What makes you the most qualified person here? Well, I've got access to the stats from Libsyn. So it's the probably the biggest data set outside of Apple Podcasts. And because we have global customers and some of the biggest names and some of the smallest shows, and we have everyone in between. So we have shows that have a couple million downloads an episode to just a couple of downloads an episode. We really cover the full spectrum, 74,000 paid podcast hosts that are with us. Uh, this isn't people that signed up, did one episode. Hey, mom, I'm a podcaster and never did anything again. This is people that are consistently releasing episodes, hundreds of thousands of episodes released a month. We've got uh, six over 6 million files that are hosted on our servers. So we've got the best data. Last year, we had 6.2 billion downloads across all our, our hosts. So we have a lot, of, a lot of data to look at and very representative. And when I talk with other folks in the industry that have decent data sets, 
the numbers match up somewhat. So, you know, I talk with Chartable and talk with some others, you know, for example, people overplay how big Spotify is. You can hear in this place, oh, the Spotify is as big as Apple or close to Apple. They're not even close. You take Spotify and Pandora, combine them, Apple's still seven times more downloads than those two combined in a month. Uh, Apple's 68% of what we see all downloads last month was 68.4 and Spotify was 9.1%. So that's the difference between uh, them. Just to give you an example, and, and when I talk with others, others have Spotify down in that 9 and 10% range as well. So there's some people that really overplay Spotify. I can tell you right now, they're, they're big, but they're number two, and they're a big gap between number one and number two. And number three is Overcast or Stitcher. They're neck and neck, and they're about two, two and a half percent. So that's your gap. And there's only about eight places that consume podcasts that are over 1%. So think about that. Of all the places out there where people are consuming audio, there's only eight that get you 1% consumption or more. And, and number one is Apple at 68.4, which, by the way, means everybody else combined and doubled doesn't equal Apple. So Isn't Apple is yeah, Apple is so important as a podcaster and, and people so underrated these days and write them off for dead. Say Spotify is going to be the next, you know, they're going to be bigger. No, Spotify is not going to be bigger. Spotify will never be bigger in podcasting than Apple because Apple has an advantage that they have the native app on the device. Google Podcasts may someday be as big as Apple Podcasts, but Spotify will never be bigger than Apple. You hear it here. You can come back in 10 years from now, 15 years from now. You can check the numbers. You'll see it's not, they're not, not overall. So this is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show is you've got access to something I dream of seeing. Like I would really love to see these data sets that you get access to at Libsyn, which is just such a special thing. And even in just that, you shared more of what is accurate from a real perspective and something you can look at than most of us feel because I would never have anticipated the real numbers are at that level. I want to go uh, into that a little bit. In any of that consideration, like you've just laid out from audio downloads, um, this is the audio side, that Apple's just the gorilla, like and <laughs> way, way the gorilla. Is there any um, account for YouTube? I know video podcasts are becoming more and more. So when what? you look at, let's say, <laughs> let's use an example here like Joe Rogan, right? He's got <laughs> his show on YouTube. I can tell you right now when you jump on there, you can see a ton of people do watch it on YouTube um, as well. Being that he's owned by Google, do you see them having a bigger place in podcasting than maybe their Google podcast app represents? Again, nice gets way overplayed as well. Joe Rogan and there's a few others that have podcasts that get some decent numbers there. But overall, most podcasts aren't on YouTube. The majority of them aren't. And even when they are and they put their stuff up there, they get minimal amount of plays. And, and they're not recurring. It's not the core audience. I've seen people, we, we had one person, um, major A-list celebrity, 18.9 million followers on YouTube, came over and his podcast got 43,000 downloads an episode. 18.9 million subscribers, 43,000 podcast listeners. That's what that equated to. And this is a guy running around saying he had the number one podcast, right? Um, and he wasn't even close. Uh, and overall, he had 60 million social media followers, and that could only work out to 50,000, less than 50,000 podcast listeners. Now, by the way, 50,000 podcast listeners isn't bad. That's puts you in the top point, uh, 1% of shows. That's not bad. I mean, when you get that number, they're good. But you can't equate what you hear about on, on YouTube and relate it to podcasts. Podcast listeners are a little bit, how do you say it, more sticky. 
uh, they subscribe and they actually listen and they go through the content, at least of all the stats that are out there have shown this. It's really interesting. Even when I think about my own behavior, I might go to YouTube and watch someone's videos, but the podcast I'm subscribed to, I'm like a fan. Like it's different. Mm -hmm. It's completely right. different even in like relationship from there. Okay. So being we now know this, and this is something you look at, is there anything podcasters need to be aware of in optimizing to do the best on Apple? Is there anything you take into account at Lipson or do with shows or even just how files are set up for Apple? Well, first off, um, the best thing you can do is get off of SoundCloud because they don't even support all the Apple tags. So you, first, you have to host someplace that supports all the Apple tags. For example, if you have a podcast on fantasy football, that tag isn't supported in the SoundCloud tags. So you want to make sure wherever you're hosting, you want to optimize your show for Apple Podcasts. So make sure they support all the things. They have the second title, the Apple Podcast title that's in there. They have the place for the episode numbers and the uh, author at the at the uh, episode level. So you want to have that. And then you want to remember how pod Apple Podcast Search actually works. Apple Podcast Search works based on what's in the title and the author tag of your show and the title and the author tag of your episode, and then sorted by the total number of subscribers all time. <laughs> so getting people to subscribe to your podcast in Apple is kind of really important. Ratings and review, doesn't matter. Ratings and review is one of those big overrated things. That's what people put in webinars they sell with a seven at the end of the price. Those things are just a waste of money. <laughs> those webinars are a waste of money. Ratings and review are a waste of your time. You're asking your audience to do the wrong thing. People don't need ratings and reviews, right? It's not like you're buying an air fryer from Amazon. You want to find out the right one. You know how you know the right podcast? Someone told you about it or you search for the topic and it matched and you hit play and you listen and go, yeah, I like that show or no, I don't. There's no money involved in signing up. So people don't care about ratings and reviews. And, and ask yourself this, when's the last time you looked at ratings and reviews on a podcast, you wanted to check out that someone said, hey, go listen to this podcast. You don't go, well, wait, you're my friend, but I really need to look at the ratings and reviews first. Right? So it doesn't make sense. So there's a lot of advice that's, that's what I call bad advice. Ratings and reviews is the worst of the advice when it comes to Apple podcasts. How interesting. I feel like I've learned two things on this uh, episode already. And again, this is what I find so fascinating. Your position creates an opinion that is not what is being promoted or perhaps what people want to hear. I actually know people and I've had some people on this show that will run competitions to get reviews for their show. But it sounds like you're saying that that is probably of non-advantage here at all. Well, no, it helps your ego. It makes your ego feel good. So there's something, I guess there's some benefit, but if you're trying to say benefit at Apple, no, it doesn't help you at Apple at all. Uh, you know, we've looked at shows, um, you know, there's another person by the name of Paul Culligan who does a lot of helping of launching podcasts and me and him will look at, we do podcast launches and, and he'll have his clients launch and we'll look at the numbers and we'll see how long it takes them to get up the charts. And one of the things we noticed is ratings and reviews had no bearing at all on the on the charts. Um, so the people that had 100 ratings, 200 ratings, 1,000 ratings didn't help them as much as having 1,000 people click subscribe. And so that's one of the things I'd say there. Just forget that. Ask people to subscribe to your show. And if, you're, if they're already subscribed, then say, tell your friend. Tell your friend about my show. That's the best thing you can do to grow your show. Word of mouth. How interesting. All right. So as a bit of a one-two combo, optimize for Apple primarily. For search, like right. Because Optimize for search. Excellent. So they're the gorilla. Then second component mm -hmm. of that is that subscribe plays the biggest role. Like mm -hmm. forget those reviews or maybe don't if you like, you know, your little ego yeah. hit, but um, the subscribe weights the most there. 
Yeah. Um, the next component, which you kind of lean in a little bit with mentioning, like, for example, SoundCloud. And I get this question a lot, and I'd really love to understand it from your perspective. I, for most people, the difference between hosts or being able to tell the difference between hosts is negligible. So when people say, right. oh, what's the difference between, let's say, SoundCloud and Libsyn, they wouldn't have even noticed or known that this tagging thing is an issue. From your perspective, is there anything else that separates the hosts that could be an advantage for podcasters? Well, if you're going to have metrics that you want to actually present to advertisers, if you're one of the 5% of shows or 6% of shows that are getting 5,000 or more downloads an episode, uh, you need to be someplace that's IABV to certified, not compliant. There's no such thing as compliant. Some companies try to say they're compliant. There's no such thing. It's a made up phrase. It's certified. And matter of fact, if you want to say you're compliant, IAB now says you have to be certified to say you're compliant. So make sure they're IAB V2 certified. Those stats are the ones that the advertisers will then accept. For example, SoundCloud, nobody can accept SoundCloud stats. A matter of fact, if you go and Google this phrase, buy SoundCloud stats, you'll find out for $50, you can buy 50,000 plays, 50 US dollars. You can buy 50, that's a $1 CPM. If you're making a $22 CPM on the advertiser, you just generated a $21 profit by just turning the crank. It's like a little arbitrage play and I'm sure someone's tried it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I would say first, first thing if you're gonna monetize, look to make sure they're IABV2 certified. Then, then if we get into the privacy issue, then you have to ask, are you willing to shear your audience like sheep? Are you willing to sell their privacy? And that was the one part we talked about earlier that a lot of people don't realize. And this light is going to be shined very brightly when Overcast turns on this feature, which is in their beta right now, which will tell you the privacy settings for different podcasts. And if a podcast host is saying they're tracking and they're doing, if they offer attribution for your audience, what they're not telling you is attribution for your audience means we're going to track your audience on where they go, what they do. We're going to share their private information, their IP address to other folks, and we're going to let them track them around, and we're going to gather information on your audience. And, oh, by the way, your audience has no idea this is going on. We're not going to give them a chance to opt in or opt out because podcasting doesn't allow that, but it's okay. They're your audience, and you just want to make money off of them. And if that's okay for you, you can do that. But if you have a podcast, let's say, on mental illness, like Amani State of Mind, they're hosted on Omni, and they have the Triton Digital tracking and Omni tracking going on. So this is a podcast about mental health issues. You as a listener to that podcast have now been entered in a database. Do you think that database might get sold someday or hacked? Pretty good chance one of the other or both. So this is the secret or the little something in the closet, so to speak, of what's going on in podcasting that a lot of podcasters don't even know is going on because the hosts and the advertising networks don't tell you, oh, we're getting attribution of your audience. And what that means is we're, tra we're stalking your audience and they have no say in it. When you present that to the podcasters that way, a lot of them go, whoa, wait a second, you're doing what to my audience? Well, it's, it's because we want to you know, confirm they went to the website and bought something. So we have to do this. Well, no, you don't. You got, I gave you, you give me a promo code to read. If they're using the promo code, they listened and they go, well, we don't know for sure. Well, well that doesn't give you a right to, to, you know, stalk my audience. Some agencies think it does. So, you know, there's, there's an ethics issue. Now in, in Europe, GDPR doesn't allow that. 
in Brazil, GDP, uh, their local laws don't allow that. CCPA in California doesn't allow it, although some of the advertising agencies, eh, well, really kind of, I don't think it meant what it meant. And, and some, you know, a call out where you host, they have their privacy policy that states IP addresses aren't private information or aren't personal information. That, okay, GDPR says quite the difference. And the law says IP addresses are personally identifiable information. And that's been challenged in court in Europe and held up. And in US, in CCPA, IP addresses are personal information. Anything that can be used to identify at the household level in the US is considered personal information. So what you want to know from your podcast host before you go switching about around stats is, are they going to allow people to track my audience? And if you're ethically okay with stalking an audience that doesn't have a chance to opt in, that's up on, that's on you. Uh, Lipson, we took a, a different approach to that. We said, no, we're going to apply GDPR rules to everybody globally. And we don't allow any of our partners that we work with to track any of the listeners of anybody, of any podcast that hosts on Lipson. So we apply the same privacy rights to someone in Italy as we do in Indiana, as we do in Japan. So wherever that listener is globally, we're covering them under the GDPR rules, which we think are the right ethical rules out there. So now the, the horror show starts. So we head into here. So I'll give you some context, and it's just such a fascinating idea. I had perceived that a lot of the data that was being collected, let's say, by some of the hosts, I'm not going to name any, was merely being collected so that they could uh, provide better stats to podcasters. And that was the intent. So, for example, what you mentioned IP tracking was a way of actually saying, well, if someone's just, you know, playing the same episode, is that getting counted as multiple downloads in my feed? Or is this just saying, look, okay. that's under one house? And I'm sure we can come back to that and you have a perspective yeah. on it. Um, but I want to make sure we cover this one and come through. Um, however, what I'm now- It's about sharing the information. Here's the key thing. Yes. It's sharing of the IP information. Now, your podcast host can look at it and, Lip and Lipson does and all the podcast hosts do and look at it and say, hey, if someone played this and three hours later they play that same, the rest of the episode, we're not going to count that as two plays. We're going to count it as one. So looking at the IP address information is fine. Sharing the IP address with third parties so that they can go track that person around the web and putting them into a database and saying, hey, this IP address person with an iPhone listened to Amani's state of mind. And this person, you know, that's not, that's not the only one. We, we can go into another one here, the one you feed. So there's another one. That's another one on mental illness. So you got two podcasts about mental illness. You've listened to both of them. Now you're in a database as somebody that likely has something wrong or has a mental illness or, is, you know, has has some sort of condition they're trying to get help for. Now you go apply for a job five years from now and you get rejected because some HR AI found out in that database that you had listened to mental illness podcasts. You have no idea why you got rejected for that job, but you were in the database. Maybe you listen to cannabis podcasts, same thing, you get rejected. Maybe you listen to skeptic podcasts and now you got rejected because you went to apply for a company that's a Christian company or vice versa. You listen to a Christian podcast, and there's you were applying to at a skeptic, you know, at, at a skeptic com company. Whatever the case is, do you want your personal information shared in databases that you had no ability to opt into? And that's the big question. Ethically, I think that's wrong. I do too, and I think this is 
somehow podcasting has stayed under the radar and, until recent times mm-hmm. because this is exactly what was uh, has ended up happening with GDPR and email marketing. Like email has been uh, hit hard and rightly so because some terrible things have been done. But it mm-hmm. seems like the light is being shared here and like – I had no idea this was going on until uh, it was shared to me, and I suspect most podcasters uh, aren't either. So the first thing I would say here is that our podcast hosting companies, like they're aware they're sharing this data, like they're complicit in giving this information, or it's a financial transaction in some cases, I imagine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of the, the ones that are doing this, they, they do press releases about it, announcing the, the partnership. Uh, Megaphone did a press release with pod sites announcing that we're going to now be able to you know, basically stalk all our podcasters listeners. That was what that press release basically said. Um, but not all podcast companies are doing this. There are ethical companies other than Libsyn is Blueberry and there's others that aren't doing this type of type of tracking. So it's not everybody that's doing it, but there are more and more that are doing it. And Overcast is going to shine the light on that. You'll be able to see which podcasts you want to listen to if there's going to be an issue with your privacy. And hopefully Apple will follow suit and they'll have something similar in the podcast app as well, because this is a privacy issue, even with iOS 14, supposedly not allowing tracking of data between places and apps. When that comes out, the podcast world is going to be the one place where people can still kind of share that and stalk people on how they're doing it because they're doing it with that tracking pixel behind the scene and they're sharing the IP address information. And it, it's, it's not a good situation. And these companies don't realize they're really ruining the trust that we podcasters have built up with our audience because we're learning about it now. The audiences will learn about it soon enough. Podcast listeners are not dumb. And when this comes out that they're being tracked and stalked, they're going to question the relationship they have with podcasting. Because this isn't a place where you can opt in. It, it, it makes it really unethical what these companies are doing. So I've got two, two questions to go with this. And I know as a host, it's a terrible idea to ask two questions at once, but I've got to do it nonetheless. All right. So mm-hmm. first off, how do you respond to the idea that these companies may be using this information for good. So for example, you opt into a show and then they're able to show you relevant uh, ads or information that's on the podcast you're listening. So for example, I'm a cycling fan. I listen to cycling podcasts. If let's pretend, and I'm not saying this is happening, Amazon, Google, and Facebook are buying that data and then they start showing me cycling products that I actually want to buy, which I do. And to be fair, I probably would buy them. Um, like, is that not enhancing my internet experience? And then the second thing I'll get you to go into after that, because I know you have some information on this, how is Overcast playing a role in actually showing people um, what these shows are, or how shows are using their data or how their privacy may be being manipulated? All right. So first question is, if you have a psychographic interest and you're listening to a podcast on cycling, they don't need any of this data. You don't need any data to know that, hey, Someone listening to a cycling podcast may want to know about the new KHS KO special bike that just came out or the new titanium or fiber only bike, right? You know that people listening to a cycling podcast want information cycling. You listen to a podcast called Today in iOS, there's a good chance they're going to need an iPhone case. You don't need to track my audience to figure that out, right? So there's ways to get relevant information to shows without stalking them. Now, what's really 
disturbing is if you're listening to a podcast on menstrual cycles and you get something on a bicycle, right? You might go, okay, that's just a typo. They messed up. But if they were tracking you and you were just listen to a cycling podcast and go over to Sisters of Flow and you hear a cycling ad, you go, that's strange. Why is that over here on this show? And if that, ad, or better yet, here's an example. How many times have you gone and looked at something that maybe you even bought and then an ad for that stupid thing follows you around the internet for two weeks? That's what's going to happen. That's going to happen in podcasting. That's where podcasting is going for certain hosts. Some companies want that. They want when you went, you go to B&H Photo and you look at the latest microphone, they want that ad for you to hear it 20 times in the next week. Is that what you want as a podcaster on your show? Do you want ads because someone went to a site and then they're annoyed at that ad? Because by the way, when they get annoyed at that ad, they're getting annoyed at you, the podcaster. They don't know that you have what control you don't or don't have. When that content's in the middle, in their ears, in the middle of their head, in the middle of your episode, they're going to get annoyed at you. And not all of them are going to hit fast forward. Some of them are going to hit stop and, and go over to the next podcast and listen to one that doesn't put annoying ads in there. Do you think there's a balance within that though? Because I, I must admit, I, I come, I've been on the internet a long time. I really mm-hmm. have. And I, I go back to how terrible some of the internet experience used to be. Oh, like, yeah. and, and there have and, been but, some huge improvements. So is there any balance yeah. here these companies could be working to or ways of doing it, uh, I suppose, more tastefully? Or go with? Well, uh, okay. You said things used to be worse and they've gotten better. GDPR made things better. How did it make it better? It made you as the consumer to opt in to being tracked. And let you, as consumer, decide what was going to happen or what wasn't going to happen. So what's going on right now in podcasting is what happened in the old days of the internet. People didn't have an option, didn't have that ability, and things got ugly. So you want to know where podcasting is going. In some places, things are going to get ugly. Interesting. So I guess my message to podcasters on that is that I think they really need to check in with what their host is doing with their data and make sure they're okay with that because of the, sure. and the consequences, the backlash. The backlash mm-hmm. could be big. You could be brand damaging just by being on the wrong host. I, I talked to one company. We have prepens at Libsyn that we allow in, and we contacted all of them last year and before CCPA, and we said, hey, we have a simple question for you. If you're going to work with us for your prepend, will you be sharing the personal information from any listeners, IP address, any personal information with any other parties? And if the answer was yes, then we didn't whitelist them. One of those companies, when I asked the question, hung up the phone. <laughs> that was their response. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've, I've had companies say, well, you know, if you're going to make people opt into this, I might as well just shut the company down. Okay, well, if your business model is built on violating other people's privacy, yeah, you really should. And, and right now, people are freaking out on the digital ad world because Chrome is going to turn cookies off. Well, that's, that's going to affect this also on the podcast side. So iOS 14 and Chrome killing cookies are going to, neuter to some degree this tracking as effectiveness on the tracking. That doesn't mean they're gonna, not going to track you. They're still going to try to track you and put you into databases. Um, but I, it, it's, it's an ugly situation. Um, and unfortunately, they aren't telling podcasters the truth. So what you want to do is ask your host or your podcast agency, go, will you be sharing my listener's IP address information with any third parties? That's it. That's the question. Will you be sharing their personal information, IP address with any third parties? Because if the answer is yes, say no. Don't say no to that campaign. 
And not to name any hosts, but I am uh, now concerned about my host, so I'm going to have to uh, dig into that one. Um, but next, I just love you covered this really well. Can you explain um, when I say covered it well on your show, um, the feed, which I thought was great? Um, can you explain a little bit about what Overcast is doing here, or how they're um, bringing light to this? Um, would be really great. Yeah. And he's doing it a really nice way. You go into the Overcast app, and this is the beta, and this is a screenshot from the beta. And 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 what you'll see is little yellow triangles, and it's warning you that, hey, this show is tracking. It's got DI and insertion. It's got tracking. They may follow individual listeners' behavior across multiple shows or, web, or the web, often to track responses to ads. Right? So what Marco's doing is in the app, and if you go into the Overcast app um, and we go to a show, and I'll just pick uh, I'll pick one here. You'll see a little thing underneath the title now, and it says privacy. And if you see privacy and you, and you track it, and it'll tell you if there's any issues. In this show, there's no issues. This is the eBay for uh, Business podcast. But if it is a podcast that has issues, and, and you know it's one that it, it, it is tracking people, and, and um, let's just say- uh, You're welcome uh, to use my show as an example. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll, I'll do one here. My Favorite Murderer. So it's my favorite murderer. And you'll see now it says privacy and tracking. And then you click on it and it says, well, they're on Omni and Triton Digital. And yes, they are tracking and, and the audience and they're getting attribution. And, and, and that's one, if you are concerned about privacy, you would want to avoid. What well, is the and, and, conversation in tech at the moment? It's a very, very interesting conversation. I, I mean, look at the backlash. And here's the other thing. You think the podcasters don't know about it. The, the sponsors aren't really aware of what's going on. So when brand sponsors, not all of them, but many of them, when they have been made aware of what was going on on Facebook with the privacy issues, they pulled back from Facebook on advertising. In podcasting, which right now is testing where the brands are just getting into podcasting, and now their first test is going to be privacy issues with their potential customers, that's not going to go over all that well. So... I don't know how well the agencies have explained to the advertisers, you know, the brands saying, hey, for we'll get you a little bit more information. And oh, by the way, don't worry about the fact that we're violating the, your customer's privacy. I don't think they are explaining it quite that way. They're probably just saying, oh, if we do attribution tracking, we can tell you if they went to your site or not. And that's where they leave it. And they don't tell the fact that those customers had no chance to opt into that tracking. The big issue... I would also uh, caution the podcasters out there that this is something they need to be looking into and probably if you're not already just getting Overcast to start to see how this is playing out is probably a very good start. And I think it's a very smart move by Overcast to start bringing light. And I should point point out, uh, Overcast, it's in the beta that I'm showing you. So it's not launched yet, but it will be launched soon. Is there any way for someone who's got a podcast now that wants to find out about their own show, where's the best place for them to understand that? Is that contact their host? Is there any tools they can contact your host? Um, you know, if you're hosting on Libsyn, you're fine. Um, if you're hosting on Blueberry, you're fine. Um, if you're hosting somewhere else, contact your host. Okay. So contact your host there. All right. Now I want to shift gears a little bit here because it's very rare. I get to, uh, question wives tales in podcasting and someone might actually have the answer, but I suspect you will. Now, Podcasting stats is where we're going to head from this one. And there's been so many interesting ones over the years that I'm hoping you either can confirm or dispel or include some I may not ask that may have come up from you. So I want to, I want to start at downloads because I think this is an important one. I have heard rumors 
and it's been suggested that something that does happen with podcast download numbers is they become heavily inflated if someone has multiple devices. So, for example, I'm someone who's got an iPhone, an iPad, and a Mac, um, which you'd be thrilled with considering you're today in iOS Mm -hmm. as one of your shows. But if my episode is downloaded across all those devices, in my hosting platform, will that come up as three downloads? Uh, So... The answer is how you have it set up. And most by default, it's not going to download to multiple devices. It's only going to download to one of those devices. So if your subscriptions are set up by default on the iOS side, you're getting one download. Now, you would have gotten a second download from the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch um, was causing inflation of numbers, and and some hosts knew about it and still counted it. And, And we were on an IAB call back in December, and... And one of the companies said, hey, look, we're getting about 10 to 15% of our downloads from Apple Watch, but which you know are all bogus because how the Apple Watch works is it does request another download um, when you put the watch on the charger at night. So if you started listening to a podcast and you don't make it to the end, so you don't listen all the way, every second of it, when you put your watch on the charger, it goes and syncs up and it says, oh, well, then he might want to listen to that or she might want to listen to that on the morning when they go out for their run. So I better download it and have it ready for them. What Apple's doing makes a lot of sense, right? But they don't download it for all the different devices. So it's not overly inflated that way. Um, But it was on the Apple Watch. Now here, on Libsyn stats, we took out the Apple Watch within the first week of Apple updating to iOS 5 uh, two years ago. So two years ago when Apple made that change, when that download happened automatically, we saw a huge spike. And these numbers don't look right. So we looked into it. We confirmed with Apple what was going on, and we immediately blocked the download in stats. We allow the download to happen because people still want to have that episode there if they go running in the morning. But to answer your question, now um, it's not going to be that inflation since everybody's not, well, starting October 1st, all the people that are IAB certified are no longer supposed to count Apple Watch requests from Apple. Interesting. Very interesting there. And I mean, from a user experience, it makes sense. Like I want Apple to do that. Mm-hmm. I just don't right. want them to count it as two downloads as a podcast. Exactly. Host. exactly. So that's what Okay. So next one is on the, on the side of downloads here. Um, I had heard, now I'm someone, I stream all my podcasts. So when I listen, mm-hmm. I don't actually download them. We have great reception mm-hmm. and I right. save the storage. If I was to start listening to an episode, so I listen to some podcast episode and then I stop. And then I come back in the afternoon and I hit um, play again on that episode. So I've accessed it twice. Does that count as two downloads? And would inflate it depends. On, it depends on how long after, and who your host is. So on Libsyn, we do a rolling twenty-four hours. So if you hit stop and twenty-four hours later, after more than twenty-four hours later, you come back and hit play again on that, it will be two. But if you hit stop and then come back twenty hours later, or or here's a a most likely scenario. You're listening to the episode on your drive home from work and you get 40 minutes into an hour long episode and you stop it and you don't listen again until the morning when you get in your car and you start driving, you want to listen to the rest of the episode. In Libsyn stats, that's one. Now, everyone else that's IABV2 certified, that would be two because we do a rolling 24. Everyone else does a calendar 24. So we, we do a little bit more conservative number there. In, if you were to listen in the morning and then listen in the afternoon on everybody, that would be one if you're IBV2 because it's supposed to be 24 hours. So this is window. interesting. It's like because what I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize here is like your host actually plays a role in how that data is interpreted again. So this is probably one mm-hmm. of the key differences between some of them there. 
The, the next one I'll ask you, is there anything out there? Actually, and I'll ask another one after that. I'm going to cut myself off of my own question because I like this one better. In recent times, uh, IPs like has come into tracking. So if you do look at your podcast downloads like myself, uh, I can go in and I can see amount of unique IPs versus downloads. Um, and quite often, uh, unique IPs is, a, is a dramatically lower than downloads. You might see like 25% drop or more for some shows. So, so is that represented well in in the IAB stats? Okay, so what's supposed to be shown in the IAB is is a download, and, and let's de- define a download in IAB parlance. A download is a request for a file where at least one minute's worth of data was delivered from a unique IP address and user agent combo. So, if someone on this iPhone downloaded the request um, and and got more than a minute of data delivered, it will show up as one download. And by the way, in podcasting, it's, you know, for the listeners, it's, there is no stream. It's a progressive download or, or a full download. So a, a progressive download is what you would call streaming. In technical terms, everything's a download in podcasting, in, in the IEB. We argued about the term download, like, for four months. It was bad. And recently, people tried to argue again about the term, but there's no better term than download. The, the, to answer your question there, it, it, you're not going to see IP address information. By the way, your host should not be showing you IP address information. If they are, they're violating GDPR. To so, be clear, we uh, don't get the actual IPs. It just tells okay. you how many unique IP Neeks. addresses. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, so, so, yeah, in Lipson, you can see how many unique people came in and requested the files in a day. You can say, okay, on this day, you had... 3,842 people came in, unique people came in and requested files. And those 3,000 plus people requested 5,042 files, whatever it was. So you see the unique number of people that came in per day and then a total number of downloads that they had. And the total number of downloads is always going to be higher in a day than the unique number of people. It's just like how many people, let's say you're selling cupcakes at a store. How many people come in the door and actually buy a cupcake is going to be lower than the total number of cupcakes you sold because someone like me is going to buy more than one cupcake, right? So some of your listeners are going to download more than one episode. Absolutely. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense in there. Is there anything else that inflates download numbers that podcasters should be aware of? Um, Yeah. the, The biggest one is having a player that allows preload. So if you have a player on a website that allows preload and you get a lot of traffic to your website, your numbers can be inflated from browsers just preloading, forcing a preload. Uh, so, you know, we say it, listen, make sure you use our player because our player doesn't even have the, the URL for the file in there. So a player, uh, a browser cannot force a preload. But I've seen shows go switch players from our player to a custom player that they got and it goes from, you know, a thousand downloads a day to a hundred thousand in a day because they were a newspaper and had a lot of people coming to the site. Nobody was clicking play. It was just people loading the page and it was causing the files to be delivered. And they thought, Oh wow, we're doing great. Our marketing efforts working. I'm like, no, no, put our player back in. You're going to see the numbers are the same as they were before. Just to elaborate uh, on that. Let's say you had a player on your homepage of your website, mm -hmm. hypothetically, anytime anyone visited your homepage there for the episode or not, if it was preloading, that would be a download. It would be a preload to be a download, right? It requests, it, as far as any podcast host is concerned, when you see that request for the file come in from a new, unique IP and, and browser agent, 
you're going to go, yeah, that, that person clicked play. We don't know if someone clicked play or if it's preload, right? The only way we know that is if it was our own player. But again, our player, we don't put the URL in there. If a player has the URL in there, there are certain browsers that will ignore the don't preload instruction. So even if you put don't preload in your, your embed code, there are certain browsers, Microsoft Explorer and others, that will force a download, even though you said don't allow it. So we got around that by changing our player not to have the URL in there to, well, help save on bandwidth costs, to be honest. Um, but it also made the statistics more accurate. Uh, but, you know, for us, it was a, a cost-saving perspective. We want people to use our player because people aren't preloading. And if they're not preloading, we're not delivering a lot of bandwidth that nobody's actually really wants. It's not interesting. Well, that's a win for everyone. Every podcaster right. I know wants accurate stats. Like, I don't right. think anyone wants inflated egometrics. I mean, it might feel nice. I think mm. we want to feel our, our downloads are as high as possible uh, from there. But I think that's a win for everyone. If you wanted to check that within your own show, would that be going to your stats and seeing how many plays are coming from your if, player as a starting if, point? If Apple Core Media or um, Apple Podcasts is not your number one user agent, if those two aren't your number one, if Mozilla, Chrome, and Firefox are your number one, two, and three user agents in your stats, you don't have a real grasp of your audience. Something's wrong. And, and, and I would check your, your browser and go into your on a browser, go to your website and look into the code where your player is embedded and see if you can find the URL for your file. If you can find that URL in there from the player, then there's a chance it's getting preloaded. Are there any other things that inflate numbers or is there, even to ask a deeper question on that, is there anything else that causes gross inaccuracy in download uh, numbers? Yeah, answering those emails and LinkedIn requests from people in Bangladesh that say for $5, they can grow your audience, that will inflate your numbers. Um, they have the click farms there that are uh, doing that. And don't do that, by the way. That'll get you kicked out of Apple. Um, Apple's kick shows out for, for people that pay those folks to inflate their numbers and click subscribe. So people realize that you can move up the rankings by just clicking subscribe. So they paid the people to go in and just click subscribe. And they had these click farms in Malaysia that would just click subscribe, 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 subscribe. And they weren't actually downloading it. They also had it set up to not download any episodes. So they had their all their stuff because they didn't want to use up bandwidth, right? These guys that set up the click farms don't want to have more bandwidth. And all they wanted to do is click get the subscribe because you know how important it was. Um, so Apple could real, realize that, hey, these shows all of a sudden shot up our charts but have no actual plays and figured out what's going on and started booting shows. Um, I'm actually happy that I don't want the behavior to be incentivized. I don't think it's a right. win-win in value. And I, I really don't like the idea that someone can buy success. I want their show to actually be good, uh, yeah. which comes into it from there. Okay, so on the other side, is there any wives' tales that are out there that you think are just rubbish when it comes to stats? The uh, Stat-wise or just podcast? Podcasting in general, um, the biggest wives' tale is is make your episode 20 minutes or shorter and shorter is better or that there's an ideal length. Even any I idea that there's an ideal length of an episode, there isn't. If you look at the most popular shows on Apple Podcasts, you're going to see they're longer. Uh, the median and, and mean numbers in Apple Podcasts for the top 200 episodes are close to an hour. Right, so right. how are so you quantifying that? Because I'm, ve I'm very interested in this because this is something um, – we do, 
we see in our drop-offs when we look at consumption across other channels, like there's a mm -hmm. significant drop-off after 30 minutes in all the podcast episodes we do. So how but, are you quantifying that longer is better or that that's um, If you better? look at the most popular podcasts where people are voting, which shows are the most popular, what we see on Libsyn and what we see in Apple Podcasts in the charts that are available for others to look at is that shows that are 40 minutes or longer, 75%, um, 80% of the top 200 episodes. Interesting. So that is ranking based and we'll say voted based. The voter based by listeners. Listeners voted what they like the most and they like longer shows. There are more shows that are over two hours than in the top 200 than there are episodes for shows that are under 30 minutes. Why do you think that is? People like to listen to long content. They have long commutes. You know, you talk about people that are really heavy podcast listeners aren't the ones with the 15 minute commute. They're the ones with the hour long commute. And what do you want to be doing in the car? Switching to the next episode of a show, finding another show, or just hit play and listen. And if content's interesting, right, it really doesn't matter that it's two hours long. Joe Rogan's three hours, sometimes four hours. Dan Carlin, six hours. Um, people will listen and then they hit pause and then they continue listening. So it, there's not this artificial thing like radio where people go, oh, it's just 20 minutes, 22 minutes is the ideal time. That's how you can always tell someone came out of radio. When they tell you, oh, the ideal length of a podcast is 22 minutes. Okay, you came out of radio. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, that's the simplest way to, to explain it for those folks. But I, I'm just lying, world, I, I paid a podcast consultant and that's pretty much what they pitched me. <laughs> but I will say this, I was very curious when they said that. Do you guys see what I see? So I, I've got a whole bunch of shows we manage. We mm -hmm. do the best we can in tracking video and audio in Apple Connect and all the rest of it. And um, we look at it and we see like the consumption curve in our stuff. I, and then after it, we see those drop-offs. Do you guys see content drop-offs at the same level? Is no. that something? If, if the show is interesting, it's popular and long, we don't see that drop-off. Matter of fact, people that listen on smartphone apps they listen, if they listen 10% of the way in, 90% of them are going to listen 90% of the way in or 95%. It's a really high percentage. If they make it to that 10% mark, they're going to make it all the way through. Now, some shows drop and you can see your stats in Apple Podcasts. I mean, if you want to see your consumption information for any podcast, just go into Apple Podcasts and look for your show as long as you're getting more than 100 downloads an episode and or plays uh, per episode. And you can see that. You can see it in Spotify. You can see it in Google Play. and when I look at stats for the popular shows, people listen all the way through. And, and, and that I've seen it from other people. Wondery and others have talked about people listening all the way through. People don't mind long content. What they don't want is boring content. A 10-minute episode, half the people will drop out after five minutes if the content's not good. But a really good episode of Dan Carlin, Hardcore History, people are going to listen all the way through. And six hours and not, not going to do it all in one day, but they're going to listen eventually and they're going to get to the end. So really quality, uh, quality content is king here. Yeah. Not any consultant that tells you 20, 22 minutes, fire them, ask for a refund. They don't know the space. Interesting. Oh, well, I'll have to adjust my opinion here. I think this is a fascinating one. And this is exactly why I wanted to have you on here. I mean, I find um, when we look at stats, you can often form a narrative that fits it. 
And I think it's really dangerous at times to stick to that no matter what. Because, like, it yeah. would be very easy for anyone, uh, especially of the, what I've seen. And I've seen a fair few shows. Like, I'm not someone who's only got my own data. But it's like that drop-off is something we see. And it's like, well, maybe there are some considerations to content or things. Or hearing this may look at it differently from there. All right. So, that's now, I do, want, I do want to have one caveat on this. I am not saying make your show long to make it popular. <laughs> Some people will say, <laughs> Rob said, make your show long to make it popular. No, no, no. What I said, what I'm saying, and this is very simple. The length of your episode is not going to impact your popularity. If you have good content, you've got 45 minutes of content, do a 45 minute episode. You have 35, do 30. You got an hour and a half, do an hour and a half. Whatever the length of your content is, that's that should be the length of that episode. That's it. Don't try to cram. And I, and I can give two great examples here. Star Wars episode one was a two-hour movie, but it only had 15 minutes of content. Right? That should have been a 15-minute movie. Right? George Lucas spread out that content over two hours, and it did not work. Game of Thrones, final season. That was 16 episodes they crammed into six. That didn't work either. So don't try to make an episode that's too short or too long. Make it the right size for your content at that given point in time. I think Game of Thrones is a really good example there because I'm a fan. I've watched the series and it's like leading into that last series, it was such a different experience. Like it was the mm -hmm. same characters. Like I had the, the depth mm -hmm. of relationship of understanding, but it was, it was all wrong. It was just all wrong. <laughs> Not to say I didn't it, enjoy it, but it was just, it felt weird. It, it felt like, okay, I missed five episodes. Where did this, did I miss an episode? You know, there's, there's hidden episodes, right? Someday we're going to find out that there was actually five other episodes made and they just didn't air them. Uh, yeah. But the point is just make the right length content. There is no ideal length and don't listen to what someone tells you and don't try to optimize your length for the audience. Optimize the length for the content you have. How do you measure success in a show? How do you look at this or get a perspective on if a show is or isn't working? Well, it depends on the goal of the show. Um, if the if the show's goal is just to have persons have fun, a lot of podcasters just want to have fun. Eh? They're doing it as a hobby. Rather than golfing, they take up podcasting. Maybe they want to get together with their friends and they want to talk about video games or they want to talk about Dungeons and & Dragons. And, and then, the, then the success there is the fact that they got an episode out and they had a good time. Other people want to monetize it through advertising. <laughs> Those are the ones that are going to be the most disappointed. Um, you know, so if you get into podcasting day one, thinking you're going to monetize through advertising, have a backup plan. This is podcasting is not your backup plan because most people will never make money from podcasting. But if you get into podcasting to build a brand, build a reputation, maybe get some clients to in improve your, the way people look at you in your community, then podcasting is a great tool for that. There's 2,700, 2,500 bloggers for every one podcaster. You want to stand out from other people covering your content topic? Podcast. That's an easy way to stand out. It's an easy way to become when coronavirus goes away, hopefully. It's an easy way to get jobs, uh, gigs speaking at events is by having a podcast. It's easier for someone to hire or bring you on as a speaker when they can hear you speaking than it is to look at your blog and, and, and bring you on. So if your goal here is to build your brand as a personal brand, podcasting, I think, is the success is did you get more clients <laughs> did, or did you say something really stupid and lose all your clients, right? You can find it. You know, happens, happens. Yeah. You know, is, what's the old joke? You know, um, sit there quietly and let them think you're an idiot rather than opening your mouth and proving it. 
So, um, so you have to be careful on that too. Um, but if you know what you're talking about, you can really build your brand. I, I know um, there was a podcast called um, Time um, uh, Manager Tools podcast. And after they launched their podcast, they did consulting work. And a couple of years later, their hourly rate had quadrupled and they, were, they, they couldn't take on any more clients because of their podcast. I listened to so, that podcast as well. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's an example of a really successful podcast that might not have had the numbers to monetize like we would think with Harry's razors, but made them more money than anybody with a Harry's razor ad ever made. Um, and, and then the finally is a brand, brand podcasting, you know, eBay podcast, and there's been other uh, Trader Joe's podcasts. These are podcasts that are geared towards their core audience and they're not about making money and they consider it successful if their audience engages and listens. And, and is educated. So it really just depends on why are you getting into podcasting to determine if it's successful. Everybody has a different reason. But if dollar sign is your number one reason and you want to monetize through ads, most people will not ever consider their podcast successful. That is so interesting to hear. I, I would like to believe that um, a lot of people are making it in podcasting itself. I mean, in my circle of my influence where most of the shows we deal with, including my own, um, the podcast is related to their business in some kind and it's used as a tool to build authority, relationships, uh, potentially get clients or even generate leads. And I would say most of them are profitable. Like it's a very yeah. profitable endeavor for them. But yeah, on but the they other side- don't have, Their numbers aren't that great high though, right? They're, you're not probably, none of them are over 1,500 or, or more than 1,500, probably in, on, on the lower side of that. Per episode, per month, how are you judging Per episode, that? per episode. I have uh, some interesting ones. I won't name any, but I have one that's under 100 um, downloads per episode. And But because of the niche and what value the information is, is the craziest profitable podcast I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it's staggering, but market message fit is just insane, which just blew my mind with like how much um, when you nail that, how little downloads really represent how profitable a show can be. Exactly. Um, on the other side, though, I have some friends with massive shows and they are in absolute struggle town with how to monetize it because the sponsorship deals and even what they can do with that audience, it's just not a, not an endeavor that they were hoping would get to. They thought it could be much bigger and more valuable and now they're stuck with this, well, what do we do with it? It's a, it's a liability. Well, if you get to a size audience where, you know, if you're getting up at 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 type range where you're not in the top 1% of shows yet um, where you can quit your day job, but you have a decent sized audience, you really should look at a hybrid model where you do both advertising and premium. So you make a little bit extra content and you get people pay you a monthly subscription and you can pick up a few percent of your audience that can generate some decent revenue. So I always say to the folks in that range, look at a hybrid model, premium and advertising. Fascinating. All right, well, I, I want to shift gears again here, and I'm, I mm -hmm. also want to be respectful of your time, but I think you have insights here that are hard for me to get a hold of at other points. Where do you think podcasting is going? Like we see Amazon entering the space, Spotify is certainly having a crack. You would have an argument oh, yeah. there for as well. How do you see this all playing out over the next 12 months to five years? Well, next 12 months is pretty much just where it's been going. I mean, we've seen it going more and more mobile. Um, the consumption is almost to 90% on mobile. The consumption on smart speakers is almost negligible, 0.25%. That's so overhyped, smart speakers. People aren't listening to podcasts on smart speakers for the most part. 
It's a very intimate medium, right? Do you really want to listen to the Joe Rogan podcast with your kids in the house? Do you, do you want to listen with sex with Emily when your 12-year-old son's running around? Probably not. Um, but there's a good podcast to listen to, and you listen to them mobily on your own. Uh, so I, I don't see things changing there. Now, where I do see a big change coming between 12, and five, 12 months and five years, Google Podcasts finally having a native app. I think eventually the Google Podcast app will be native. And then we're going to get from this point where right now the iOS to Android ratio is five downloads on every iOS device for every one download on an Android device. Maybe when Google Podcasts is a native app, we can get to a closer parity of one-to-one or even down to two-to-one, not because Apple will have fallen off, but because the Android world will have come up. So I think there's a lot of room for growth yet in the podcast space. Uh, Again, we've gotten to where we are right now with five-to-one ratio iOS to Android. Think where we can be in five years if there's a native Google app. I think that's where the growth is going to come from. Do you think that's a good thing that that becomes more balanced? Yes. And I don't think, look, I, you know, some people want to say bad things about Apple or this or that. Apple, there would be no podcasting without Apple. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't want to disparage Spotify and say, you know, they're tiny. They're, they're big. We, never have, we haven't had a number two in podcasting since the Zoom. That was the last time there was a number two in podcasting with 10% or more, or around 10%. So it's great that we have a number two. But I'm waiting for there to be a one, two, and three, where it's Apple and Google and Spotify. And, you know, and that, that will, the ship will, all ships will have risen at that point. And I think that's good. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to downplay the importance of Spotify because it has been great that Spotify's come in. And we are at a point today where we can pretty much say, listen to my podcast any place you listen to audio. Right? It, it, almost every place that has audio, we just, and Lipson, we just added Ghana as a place, Deezer's on there. So all these streaming services um, are starting to have podcasts. And, and, and those that don't, aren't familiar with Ghana, they're the top four streaming service in the world for music. There's 150 million active people listening. Now, most of them are in India, but they are a global app. Um, They're double the size of Pandora, to put things in perspective. Um, So they're huge. They just came on board. They're embracing podcasting. Deezer just came on board. They're embracing podcasting. So we're going to see more and more places. uh, We're actually, almost all the places have podcasts today. And that's great. A year from now, everybody's going to have it. Um, five years from now, there'll be a native app in Android. And, and that'll be a great thing for podcasting. Yeah, I actually agree on that, being that Android um, doesn't have that right now and Apple really does. I, I like to think that Spotify has been the inflection point or catalyst that's made um, pod, um, Apple take podcasting more seriously. Like, I want to believe that as they started spending all this money and doing things to set or hold up, maybe we shouldn't just abandon our app and maybe start doing some more here. But Nonetheless, I've, I kind of agree that we will see the rise of some bigger platforms here. Yeah, you know, I have the advantage of being able to have talked with Apple all these years and been in there um, every year, talk with them, talk with them all the time. Um, and I know they've been committed to podcasting all this time. Uh, their team has grown. It's grown and grown and grown. Early days, it was three people. <laughs> uh, James, who's, who's part of the team, he covered basically the rest of the world. And you had two guys um, in, in, in the U.S. covering the, the rest of, you know, everything else. And, and it was three, there was a three-man team, literally, Apple Podcasts when it launched way back when. And that team is much larger and has much more resources. And Apple talks about podcasting and it has a broke-out app. 
And Apple said to me, the goal of the Apple Podcast app is to make it the best app that's out there. So they they want their app to be better. They want people in their ecosystem. Um, I I think the press makes more out of the Spotify stuff than than Apple does. How because Apple doesn't look dispels. at it for making money. Yeah, well, I mean, there's. Uh, I do question that, right? Because, like, you know, how does Apple make money out of podcasting? But I guess it's through people owning their devices and the ecosystem and everything that comes through there versus, let's say, Spotify, which are clear, clearly monetizing through ads, and that's going to be their way. You can mm-hmm. see that's the pathway for them. So I could acknowledge why Spotify would be more eager to go directly after it than, let's say, Apple was. But nonetheless, is that you have to give Apple credit of what they've done here. It, it still is a sensational platform. And as you said, would, podcasting wouldn't be here without them at this point. Right. And if Spotify's decision in future is, hey, we're going to put ads in podcasts and we're going to help more podcasts get ads all over the place and people can get podcasts elsewhere. As a listener, do you really want to go to podcasts, to go to Spotify to listen to podcasts if it's full of ads or go any place and listen to a podcast where it's full of ads where you can go to another place when there are no ads? Listeners aren't stupid. A lot of companies think listeners are stupid. People flocked away from radio because it was eight minutes of ads for every 22 minutes of content. Podcasting gets back to that place in Spotify. People will flock away from Spotify to Apple Podcasts or Overcast and other places where the ads aren't put in. So I think people overvalue this. Oh, we're going to put ad- they're going to put all these ads in there. Listeners will go, eh, not for me. How interesting! Such a unique perspective, Rob. These are ideas and considerations. I, I mean, what I love about this is there's things and ideas here I hadn't considered that are making me question some of my own thoughts, which is just the whole reason we do this. Anyhow, I will wrap this one up from here. Where's the best place people can come and follow along and learn more about this stuff? Is the uh, feed podcast with Lipson the best one? Yes. Yeah, that's the one where I talk podcasting. You can follow me on Twitter at podcast411. So at podcast411. And if you have questions, you can email me. I put my email out there, Rob, R-O-B, as in Robert, Rob at Libsyn.com. Oh, very kind for you. We'll make sure we link that up in the show notes as well. And of course, we'll put links to uh, everywhere people can find you as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So very insightful. That's it for this episode of the Business of Podcasting. Thank you so much, Rob. Have a great day out there. Thank you. for. Thanks for having me on.